Jesus, and we just want to say thank you, Lord, for leading us here and reminding us again right now all the way that you lead us. You've done everything well, and you've done everything well this morning. And, Lord, we just thank you that people like Pablo Yoder who have given their lives for you can trust you at a time when life looks like it's drawing to a close. And we can trust you, Lord, though we, even though we may have our, a very short time, it looks right now like at least some of us will have a while yet to serve you. So help us to serve you faithfully. Every day, every hour, every year that we have, Lord, belongs to you. Help us to return it to you. I pray for this morning, Lord, that you would just anoint us and, and guide us and open our hearts to you. I pray for Lisa Miller this morning as she's wrestling through this civil case, that you would bless and guide her. Bless the Ericsons, especially Coweta. I pray for healing in the, in the cancer and the ministry that they're doing this weekend to relatives. I pray, God, that your anointing would be there. And I pray for an anointing to be in my brother Joe as he shares with us. I pray that his word, your words would be on his lips and your words would also come into our hearts, Lord, and you would help us to get from this service what you have for us. Send us home today changed, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you. Well, greetings in the name of Jesus. And uh, it's a blessing to be here. And I know that... Uh, I see now that uh, the Lord has really worked in this church, but it wasn't without trials. So, and so you can pray for us back in Missouri because we're going through a lot of trials. But I know God is faithful, and uh, if, we, if we are uh, uh, faithful, uh, we'll work through, and hopefully that he will grow a church there that is blessed like this church is here. And I can tell that. Uh, this morning, uh, the title of my message is Christ and His Church. And I'm going to start over here in uh, Revelation 19. Uh, Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife had made herself ready. So here John, the apostle John is getting a vision uh, from an angel and uh, it's a vision about the church and uh, it's the, you know, we're in a sense, uh, you know, Paul in Ephesians, uh, uses marriage as an example of how the church should be. And we're going to look at that a little bit. But let's go on. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So uh, this place in uh, Revelation, uh, there's been 
a lot of uh, struggle. Uh, you know, the, the, through most of the book of Revelation, there's all these really terrible things that were happening uh, to the Christians and, and to the world. And, uh, and, and I look at Revelation as this struggle that we have to go through as believers. And it's a good struggle. And uh, I probably couldn't say this 10 or 20 years ago, but suffering is good. Suffering in the right way is good. And it, it brings forth uh, the light of God if you're faithful and you're willing to work through this struggle. And uh, I never really understood that when I first became a Christian, but the Lord has, uh, he has uh, helped me to understand that because I've had to face struggles uh, in a way that I've never had to face them before, and it's, it's been a blessing to me. I can say that now. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but uh, so I can look back on a lot of things that the Lord has done in my life. And when I was in it, it was not nice. But when I worked through it, when I got through it, I could see what a blessing it is. So I want to look at this in the end of verse 10. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And now prophecy is a message. Someone has a message or a warning that uh, we need to hear and uh, to look at some of that I believe that the, the message that Jesus has for us is that his church is good and uh, I, I spent several years in a home church but I'm starting to see why the established church is such a good and beautiful thing to the Lord. And uh, I never really saw that before. Uh, you know, evangelicals are more individualistic and they don't uh, emphasize brotherhood. But I see now why brotherhood is so good, even though I... <laughs> Right now, we're going through a lot of turmoil. I think it's good for us. And I know this church went through a lot of turmoil uh, in, in past years, but I can see now the fruit is coming forth, uh, especially in all these young people and the marriages that are coming. But uh, So in Ephesians, Paul equates marriage to the church. Christ in the church. So let's uh, we'll begin here in uh, chapter five, verse one. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice of God for a sweet smelling savior. So one thing you know, we, we kind of move to a you know, Mennonite community with several different flavors of uh, churches and uh, different types of Mennonites. And one thing that uh, I learned is that, and I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but the uh, 
This in, in, in uh, verse one, it says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Well, many of these uh, people I've met do not understand what it means to be born again. What it means to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, because I'm, this is kind of a paradox, but without the individuals having relation with the Lord Jesus, the church can't be built. But the, the church is built on the individuals that have a relationship with Jesus. And so uh, some of these things you might, uh, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here on some of these things. It says uh, in Romans uh, 10... Verse 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this, this idea, there's repentance and confession. Now this is like the marriage covenant. When you go up and you, you, you come up here and you, the preacher's here and the... And the uh, the male and female, they're standing there, and they're going to do a covenant. Now, the covenant is just the start, isn't it? Well, also with believers, the start is this confession and repentance. Now, you can argue, does repentance come first or does confession? Uh, I think it can happen either way, but we need to confess the Lord Jesus, and we need to have a repentance. Repentance is changing your orientation, <laughs> changing how you look at the world. Uh, if you confess Jesus and you still look at the world as you always have, as a place for you to uh, uh, live and exist with material things, if you're not See, repentance is saying that there's a kingdom of God out there. There's a spiritual, uh, there's a spiritual world out there. And it's owned by Jesus Christ. And you become a servant to him. So this is the, in a sense, the marriage covenant. Now, Paul's going to bring this out more later in the chapter. But... Uh, Without this confession and without this repentance, there's no marriage. Uh, you know, a couple can come together without a covenant. And there's no marriage there, even though they're together. And then the, the uh, third thing that must happen is that we must follow and worship Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what the covenant's for. And in a marriage, the covenant's for, uh, well, 
in God's perfect plan, the covenants forced two people to come together as one flesh. And if everything is uh, okay with the two people, then uh, uh, new life comes forward. You know, uh, procreation is is a honor, is a uh, something that God has given us to partake in. Uh, his uh, plans because uh, you know, and, and it's a great responsibility but it's also a responsibility when you become a believer you have a great responsibility t- to the Lord and to other believers in John chapter 12 the uh, verse 24 Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it biteth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will will my father honor. And so here it says in verse 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And so when you become born again, when you confess Jesus uh, and you repent of wanting to live in the world, living basically in uh, Luke 4, it's the devil's world, uh, you become a servant of God and you're supposed to follow him. Now, uh, these days, there's this idea of identity. You know, what are your uh, pronouns? Uh, and uh, you, you hear about this more and more, and you'll come across it in different places in the world. But our identity should be in Jesus Christ. If someone said, well, what are your pronouns? My pronouns would be, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And they'll just have to deal with it because it's a long... <laughs> It's a long title, but it's a correct title for believers. So let's go on in Ephesians. Verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let us not be once named among you as becometh the saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no warmonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and, and God. And so here Paul is talking to pagans. The Romans and the Greeks were pagans. And now we had the Jews and there was a little bit of influence upon the Romans and Greeks uh, as far as uh, the ways of the Lord. But uh, for the most part, it was very foreign to them. And it's, it's getting more and more that way today. There's children that are raised up in, in non-Christian homes that would not understand about filthiness or covetousness or uncleanness. And so Paul is telling these uh, pagans that he is uh, witnessing to that, uh, and this this would be, very foreign to these people. 
even though they might have already repented and confessed Jesus. It's still uh, because they, they didn't understand the ways of the Lord. And so uh, uh, they didn't understand purity or chastity. It, it didn't make any sense to them. And that's why he's telling them that uh, if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, you're going to have to do away with these things. So in verse 6, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with him, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So he's encouraging uh, these new Christians that they're going to have to do away with their old ways, that they're in a new kingdom. And that uh, they're going to have to separate themselves uh, from their culture. And that, that's similar here. We've, uh, uh, back at uh, in Missouri, in our brotherhood, we've, we've had some debates about what separation means. You know, how, how separate do we really want to be? But Paul, is a, a, he's telling these new Christians that they need to be cons- completely separated because they, they cannot uh, go back to their old ways. You, know, the, you, you can't be a pagan anymore and be a child of God and be in the kingdom of God. And then verse 10, proving was acceptable. I'm sorry, verse 9. I, I don't want to pass up verse 9. Now, it's in quotes. So in the middle of this, he says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And uh, when Jesus was uh, at the uh, well with the woman, he told the, the woman, he said, you must, you know, that word must is emphatic, you must worship in spirit and truth. And so this thing about truth, uh, again, we're, you know, the world has tried to make truth subjective. But... Truth is truth. You know, uh, I believe that it was Pilate. He goes, what is truth? It's kind of, he was kind of being cynical because even back then, uh, you know, things haven't changed all that much, really. Even back then, uh, there was the pagan world and truth was subjective to them, too. It was, truth was, was whatever the most powerful said it was. And that's kind of like the way it is today. But truth... Is Jesus Christ. Truth is the way of uh, God's kingdom. And we can't change that. You either accept it or you don't. Uh, and uh, I think that's why he put this in there. You know, goodness, all goodness. Uh, man has the knowledge of good and evil, it says so in Genesis. We have this knowledge and we can do good or we can do evil. It's our choice. And uh, here he's, uh, he's saying the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. And then righteousness. Uh, you know, in, the, in the Beatitudes, he, he, uh, uh, Jesus teaches us how to live a righteous life. And so these things are important. When you enter into the kingdom of God, uh, these things should be very important to you. To understand truth. And sometimes, you know, the, the world's trying to 
to muddy the waters and all that, that we, we, we shouldn't let them. We should be emphatic about what truth is. And so then verse 10 and 11, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, reprove is to call someone on something. You know, if, uh, if there's sin in the church, we need to call them on it. And sometimes that can get kind of messy and cause lots of hurt feelings and stuff. But, and we need to call the world on, on what they're doing. So and then verse uh, 12. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Whoever he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So here he's, he's talking about... Uh, if uh, you're willing, if you're willing to look at the truth, uh, what's in your heart's going to come out. It's going to be manifested, and so you might as well repent, anyways, because it's going to be manifested. And uh, besides, it's difficult to keep secrets uh, and have a good conscience. So. Uh, we, we need this uh, repentance uh, so that the light can come forward, so that we can live in the light, so that we can be in the light. And that's where God desires us to be. I want to look at uh, John chapter 3. Verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light and his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God, or that, that means uh, to, be see, to be seen by God. That's what wrought means. And so, what uh, Jesus is saying is that uh, truth must come forward. And truth is Jesus Christ. And you know, we're the temple of God, Paul says in Corinthians. And as the temple of God, we need to allow Jesus to come forth out of us. Uh, Jesus says, uh, uh, you know, living waters, will, if you're my disciple, living waters will come out from you. So all these things, uh, Paul is leading up to uh, Christ in the church. And we'll see that in a little bit. So verse uh, 15 through 17 See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. So that word uh, circumspectly, circumspect means 
to look at things honestly and to understand the consequences if you don't. Uh, there was a, a man that came to our church and he, he gave a talk on the watchman because God will appoint watchmen in the church and they're, they're usually considered uh, prophets. And uh, they're watching and they can see out into the future. God gives them uh, some understanding of what will happen if you go into this direction. If I go this direction or if I go this direction. That they have an understanding of where they're going to, where those people will end up. And so it's important that we look at things honestly. And sometimes that's not easy. And sometimes others, they don't want to hear what's, what's true about things. And, and so this is the struggle that you'll uh, end up with is that uh, if, if you're bringing forth the light of Jesus Christ, there's going to be pushback. And sometimes very harsh pushback. But, and sometimes if you're not prepared, you start wondering about where you're at in your faith. And you start questioning your own faith because some people know how to push back really well. And they seem spiritual, but there's still something not quite right there. And so... To be circumspect is, is to be able to discern the spirits. It's not always easy, uh, especially when it's other people in the church that seem to be spiritual also. And so and you have to be careful because you don't want, uh, Jesus says, to dwell with the tares and the wheat in he said, don't take the tares out because you might hurt the wheat. So you've got to be careful uh, when you're trying to set a direction in a church. Uh, because it might be that not everybody wants to go that direction. Or they might not understand why you're going that direction. So it's, it's good to be under uh, elders or pastors that you can... Trust, like uh, Benjamin is saying here, you need to trust them and trust that they are taking you in the right direction. So verse uh, 18. And be not drunk with wine where in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So, uh, the verse uh, 18 through 21, uh, Paul's laying out ways to worship him. And that's, that's the goal of a Christian, is to worship and serve God. You know, Jesus uh, made this clear in, in Luke 4 and, and in Matthew 4 when he was contending with the devil. And so... We must be filled with the Spirit. We must uh, sing songs. These, these are forms of worship. We must give thanks. You know, in, in Romans uh, chapter 1, uh, it, you know, it's kind of a, you know, God, because, well, let's just go there. Romans uh, chapter 1. God has given these people over 
because of their sin and their uh, turning away from God. But in verse 20 says, 21, it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. See, one of the first things that they gave up was, besides uh, turning, uh, not glorifying God, was thankfulness. Thank, thankfulness is a, a very important way to worship and serve God, is to always be thankful, no matter what happens to you, uh, even if it, it's something that makes you uncomfortable or something very difficult to work through. You need to be thankful for those times that God puts you in a bad situation where there's a struggle and you suffer. Now, it's a lot easier. It's easy for me to stand up here and say that, but, but uh, you know, the Lord has taught me, uh, after being 30 years as a Christian, he finally taught, I finally learned the lesson I should have learned 30 years before. So there's always hope for everybody. Uh, so... And then uh, deferring to others is another way of worship. So those are all different ways that we can worship God. And it's important that we do. So then verse uh, 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. And he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. So the rest of this chapter, Paul's going to make this uh, comparison between marriage and the church and that in a lot of ways, they're the same thing. It's uh, uh, the, the marriage is a way to partake in the church and uh, as Christ partakes in the church. And so, uh, the, today, the world is trying to destroy the family. And it's working overtime to destroy the family. And, uh, you know, one, one reason I came this way, I, I'm, I didn't grow up plain, and, uh, and there was a lot of reasons why I shouldn't come this way, but the, the main reason I came this way was because of this is that uh, the plain people in general have kept the family. And being able to keep the family, you can build the church. If you don't have the family, the church will be destroyed. And so, you know, despite all the difficulties, it's well worth it. It's well worth it to, because you're not going to find anywhere the family intact in most of the culture anymore. And the out, out there, you know, out there, uh, away from from uh, plain people, the church is dying because the family is dying. And uh, so, you know, the unfortunate thing is, I don't know if you see it out here, but back where where I live, even plain people are going the way of the culture, and. The, the family, the things are coming into the church that will harm the family. And, and when that starts happening, it's going to harm the church. And so this is where you need the watchmen. You need the watchmen to 
make people aware of what's going on. And uh, so, uh, again, I, I want to uh, bless this church that you know, there's going to be several new families coming and, and you need to support them and help them because that is the future of the church. So verse 25 says, uh, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So, the church needs to be continually cleansing itself. And the only way to really do that is to build trust in the brotherhood so that uh, confession can be made. Because it's through repentance and confession that the Lord can purify the church. And uh, you can pray for us. Our brotherhood is not there and so it's, it's difficult to confess because uh, there's not trust. So you have to build that trust. And, and trust is built through honesty and truthfulness. And I think that's why Jesus told the woman at the well that you must worship in spirit and truth. Because truth uh, has connotation of honesty and trust. And so it's very important that you cultivate that and... Uh, a healthy church will have a healthy trust. And then verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord, as the, Lord the church. So, God... God loves us. And a lot of Christians don't, knew, don't know that. They think that the love is conditional, that somehow we have to do something to earn his love. But his love is already there. And his love is there for us to uh, have the power or the virtue to live according to his ways. You know, the... The woman touched his garment. It says virtue came out of her. You know, that virtue means power to heal her. And so the church is a body that needs to be healed. And we shouldn't think we have arrived. Because if you break your leg and you deny the fact that you broke your leg, the thing's never, your leg's never going to heal. So you have to admit that things are broken. Because once you admit things are broken, you can go forth and be healed. You know, you're, you're broken. You'll go to the doctor and he'll set it and you'll rest and you'll do things that you need to do to, to get your leg back working right. And the church is the same thing. It needs to do those things that will help it to grow and flourish and heal. Because uh, much of the... Much of the Christian walk is healing. And I think the reason why God waited so long to teach me some things is because 
I needed a lot of healing. So in, uh, let's go on. It says in verse uh, 30, For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. So we are members with Christ. And that's a privilege. That's a, that's the, if man finds anything, he finds Jesus Christ. And there's nothing more valuable. You know, the, the parable of the buying of the field and the uh, pearl of great price. This is what Jesus is, is uh, telling us in those parables is that salvation, walking with Jesus, there, there's nothing more valuable. And I think that's why uh, back in the first couple centuries that the, the martyrs could go to their death singing because they understood this. I have a friend back in Missouri. He's, he's a bit of a historian. And uh, I don't know if I should say this, but I was talking to him about the, they used to be called the radical reformers. A, a lot of you that are from plain backgrounds, those are your forefathers. And I asked him this question. I go, would the radical reformers, uh, would the radical reformers, uh, oh, what's the word? I'm having an, what's that? Recognize, yeah. The radi- would the radical reformers recognize the Mennonite church or the plain church today? And he looked at me and said, no. And the reason why was because, well, the emphasis has uh, gone from Jesus Christ to the church and being successful in the world and having a successful business and at the cost of the church and uh, at the cost of a relationship with Jesus. And uh, you know, he, he wants to change that. We, we, because it, it, I have more and more talk uh, from Christians about the uh, the state of America and the Christian Church, and it could come to a day that we might have to be martyrs again. Uh, I was listening to the Kingdom Fellowship Weekend. That was their that was their theme as was martyrdom, and so there's a lot of believers that are starting to understand this, and so. Uh, I think there needs to be a renewal in everybody's hearts. No matter how good of a church member you've been, you still need to have that renewal in your heart. Verse uh, 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they, the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So, here, uh, Paul is, I mean, these verses are read at marriages a lot. I hear Ephesians 5, almost just about every marriage I've gone to, and a good reason. But what Paul's really talking about is Christ and the church. And this great mystery that I speak concerning Christ and the church. See, believers become one with Jesus. 
And we're going to look at some verses here that, that will show that. Just as husband and wife become one together, we as a church become one with Jesus Christ. And then, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So uh, it's the same thing. Jesus loves us, and we need to return that love. So I wanted to look at, uh, in closing here, I wanted to look at a few verses here. Let's go to John chapter 1. Uh, verse uh, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which was born not of blood, nor the, the will of the flesh, but the will of man, but of God. So when you become a Christian, you become uh, born again as a son of God. God's son. Well, who's God's son? Jesus Christ. So uh, this verse is saying that we also become uh, one with Jesus. And then Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, where, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So when you become born again and you receive the Spirit of God, uh, you cry out, Abba, Father. Uh, God becomes your Father. And you become one with Jesus Christ. And in Second Peter chapter 1, I'm not going to turn there. It says that we become uh, partakers of the divine nature. And the only, the only uh, person I know that has a divine nature is Jesus Christ. But we get to partake in that d- divine nature that Jesus has. And then in Second uh, Timothy 1. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is it's important to understand this because if you can understand this, you can understand the depth. You know, he, he says in, uh, it's actually uh, Ephesians, the depth, the width, the height, the breadth of what it means to know God. And... Uh, I think a lot of times we don't take our faith, uh, if we don't take our relationship with the Lord, we need to take it seriously. Uh, Now, I've been sick a few times during this time of COVID, so I've had a lot of time to think. and, And one thing that God has showed me is I need to get right with him. Now, that might sound... Uh, a little strange when I've been walking with him for over 30 years, but 
there's always room to grow. And there's always, you know, God keeps revealing things. You know, it's like the onion analogy that people used to say. But there's always more and more. And, and I think in, uh, whether the Lord returns or not, we're, we're all going to get old and die. And so we need to get right with the Lord. And to get right with the Lord, you have to take your walk seriously. Sometimes we don't. I mean, there, there was times in my 30 years with the walk with the Lord is I didn't take it seriously. And uh, it's just the last few years that I've started seeing the seriousness that needs to be there. You know, because the world's getting darker. It seems like the Lord is getting closer to return and we need to take uh, our Christian walk seriously and, and so seriously that we can confess his name when uh, someone's standing there and says, if you do, I'm going to kill you. And this, this can be, this is, this is a reality in some, some nations in the world. Uh, if you confess Jesus Christ in some Muslim nations, they'll stone you to death. And so it is a reality for some Christians. And, you know, in America, it's been, we've had it really good. And I'm not, I'm not saying it won't continue to be good for us, but uh, things can change. And we need to have that confession. Now, there's a debate uh, amongst our brethren. Uh, uh, some people say anybody can stand up and confess Jesus. And that's true. Words can be empty. But I challenge them and I say, well, anybody can go feed the poor for the wrong reasons. So actions can be empty, too. And I don't think that's our place to judge uh, we need to mean what we say. We need to have a confession of Jesus Christ. But we also need to, to go out and uh, walk with Jesus and serve him and serve others because of our faith. So we need both. We need the confession and we need the works. And we need the works and we need the confession. But either one of them can be empty. That's true. But we still need it. And so... Uh, Last verse here, I got uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. We'll finish with that. It says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. According as, hath, uh, as he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. See, we were adopted in as children to Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. See, that's God's will. God's will is for everybody to, to confess and repent and become a child of God. To praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath uh, made us accepted in the beloved. So it says praise and glory of his grace. It's, it's, it's his grace that allows us to walk. And uh, it's his grace that allows us to get back up. And uh, 
you know, if, if you've fallen, you can get back up. We have to give this hope to everybody. No matter what you've done in your life or you know, what path you've taken, God has grace for you. And you have to believe that because he desires everyone to be saved. And grace, if you, if you fall or if you mess up, God is just waiting for you. It's like the prodigal son. He goes out, and what happens? Uh, the father sees him on the horizon, and he runs out to him and, and, and hugs him and welcomes him home. And God is just waiting for us to come to him. So no matter where you're at or what you've done in your life, God's grace is there for you. Thank you. Thank you for your time.